you like Grant Fisher, I told him I'd give this shout out, but he just came out with a new podcast called The Half Step Pod. He's doing it with a former teammate of his, Connor Lane, and a really good listen behind the scenes action of what it's like to be a professional. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Half Step Pod. I am your host, Connor Lane, and across from me, as usual, my co-host, Grant Fisher. Grant, how you doing, man? Great, dude. Um, yeah, it's been a fun week. It's uh, Saturday uh, the 2nd right now, um, so hopefully uh, have a good start to April. Um, we've got a few more weeks here training, probably two and a half weeks before we go to altitude. Um and then it's uh, Park City for the next two months, maybe a little longer. So um, last little time at home, if you would call it that. Uh, so trying to soak it up. It's actually been sunny in Portland. So we've been uh, enjoying uh, the great outdoors. It's been yeah. fun. Yeah, I hear you guys have been on numerous adventures, some successful and some failed. But first, before we talk a little bit about that, you get got by any good April Fool's things yesterday. We didn't record, but uh, I don't know your your team and yourself. You were a part of you know quite a joke. I uh, I almost stopped for a second and considered that this joke you were trying to pull on me, you know, might be true. But uh, maybe let the people in behind the curtain on if on if you are running for Athletics Canada in the future, and maybe describe that. Yeah. So maybe two weeks ago, um, someone from Athletics Canada reached out to me about doing this April Fool's prank. Uh, where they release an article and a big statement that I'm representing Canada from here on out. Um, I'm a dual citizen of Canada, so I've always had the option to represent Canada. Um, I think at this point, now that I've represent, represented the U.S., I think I would have to wait like maybe two years before officially representing Canada. But um, yeah, they typed up the article and ran it by me, and I was like, yeah, this is pretty convincing, actually. Um <laughs> And yesterday they dropped it and yeah, I had, my phone was actually blowing up with people, um, you know, some people shocked uh, <laughs> because they believed it. Some people angry because they believed it. Um, and other people like just laughing because they were like, oh man, that's a pretty good one. Um, so uh, it was pretty convincing. I, I thought it was funny. Uh, some people were kind of mad or like were mad for me, if that makes sense. Like they were like... Uh, this is unprofessional of Athletics Canada to make this joke. Oh. And I was kind of like, I mean, it's, I, 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 th- I thought it was pretty harmless. Man, that's a whole yeah. different slant. If you, yeah. if you read the article too, it's really funny. Um, there's like some good like Canadian jokes in there. So. <laughs> Gotta um, love that. I thought, I thought it was a harmless prank. Uh, I think several people got, 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 as they say. Um, but yeah, uh, because, because I knew my, like I was involved with an April Fool's thing. Like I just didn't believe anything that I saw on social media yesterday, um, which like for, for good or bad. Yeah. I had a couple people who fell for the, uh, well, I don't know about fell for, has it been confirmed yet that Lopez won't be doing dancing with the stars uh, when recording starts this fall? Uh, yeah. That was an April Fool's prank as well. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. When, when I, when I kept reading, I got to the part about him training remote. I was like, I don't know, Jerry, I don't know if Jerry would be completely on board with this. Um, but yeah, I got a couple people very close to me um, pretty good early on, on on Friday. So yeah, I don't know. Um, April Fool's, I feel like has been missing this year, at least for me. Like, I feel like I woke up and was very much like, I don't really know if I'm in the mood for, for many jokes with everything in the news <laughs> or just how wild stuff has been <laughs> recently. I felt like I was going to kind of like what you said, immediately look at everything as I don't really trust this off the bat. But um yeah, I, I guess it's a fun thing to be a part of. And then we've been trying to record here for a couple days. Um, we got something a little bit new. Uh, we've, we've done race recaps of your old races and also older professional races and, and collegiate races and the like uh, in our first season of the podcast. And obviously we do race recaps when you race nowadays. But we're going to be trying a new feature, which will be available to everyone on our YouTube channel, where we've got some visual clips to, to link up with... Uh, with us kind of telling the story of the race that we're going to be recapping. So, um, but we finally, we finally are getting this recording in. There's, it's been an eventful morning for you. I know initially we were going to record and then my voice was really not cooperating after cheering on everyone at our home meet yesterday. And then you were going to go to a soccer game, I believe, but didn't quite work out. (laughs) 
Yeah. So um, last night I got this text from um, Emily Pritt, who works for the Bowerman brand team. And she was like, hey, I've got four tickets to the Timbers game this weekend. Uh, do you want them? And I was like, yeah, of course I want them. I, I love soccer and the Timbers games are really fun. Um, and so I, I talked to a few of the guys and they're like, yeah, we're in. And the game was for at 1.30. Um, so yeah, rallied the boys. We drove down to the stadium, you know, parked really close to the stadium, which is rare. Um, it's you know, crazy how few like, people were there. Yeah. We were like, man, this is, uh, this is awesome. We got great parking. Um, walked to the stadium and, uh, this was Thomas and Kieran's first Timbers game. And they were like, man, it's kind of dead down here for the game starting in 10 minutes. And I was like, yeah, it, it is kind of weird, but I guess the Timbers haven't played great in its early season. Um, but yeah. And so we like kept walking and we go up to the, like the gate and there's a big sign that says 7 PM Portland Thorns, uh, game, which is the, the women's professional soccer team in Portland. And we're like, that's kind of weird. The Timbers are playing at one thirty, but they're advertising the Thorns game. And, uh, then Mark turned to me and asked like, are you sure the game's today? And I looked at the, my phone and looked at the tickets and it said Sunday, April 3rd. So mm. I messed up. <sighs> I'm going to get roasted pretty bad for this one. I've already been, uh, you know, the guys are kind of busting my balls over this one, right? Rightfully so. Uh, I messed up pretty bad. So thankfully the stadium is only about a 15 minute drive. So in all, we probably wasted with the walk, maybe 45 minutes I appreciate um, you not blaming yeah, Emily and, and, and saying that, hey, she said it takes you for this weekend. Fault. Yeah, yeah. I, I should have looked. I don't know why I just neglected to look. Um, yeah, so I'm going to get ripped into for this one. We're, we're all getting together and watching some of the March Madness games, the, the final four games, which I think are tonight. <laughs> I'm fairly confident. Um, yeah, so... Um, yeah, I really hope those are tonight because <laughs> no, no, those are something those are tonight. Dude, Carolina <laughs> is tonight. I know this. It yeah, falls, so, so yeah, I got Carolina. So, so that'll yeah, be I got something. Ro- roasted. Yeah, rightfully so, and I'll continue to get roasted for this one probably once the rest of the guys find out. But, but a benefit. Hopefully, the hopefully the game tomorrow is good. I, I was like, if the game tomorrow is good, then the guys will be like, they'll forget about it. And be like, man, that was such a good game. Whatever. But right now, I'm getting cooked. Group chat is going to light me up. The benefit of yeah. this is um, you get to record this pod. We we have time to do it today, which which is very exciting. That is so, true. And yeah. that, that win, yeah. Paul, at least for everyone listening, I think, even if you will get clowned for this, pretty good. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to talk about the week at all of training? I feel like we, you know, it's it's a pretty typical week for you. Or do you want to get into? Do you want to get into this race recap? We can spend a couple minutes, whichever way you want to go. Um, yeah, let's do a, a high level overview of, of training right now. Um, I feel like that's people are always interested in stuff like that. So for sure, um, we are back to base training, fall training, uh, which might seem shocking considering, uh, USAs and stuff are right around the corner, but, um, mentally I've been liking to divide this year into kind of two seasons. We had, uh, like fall training and indoor season, and then we'll have, right now spring training but it's more like fall training and then outdoor season so um kind of splitting it into two makes it feel like at least in your head less of like one expansive season where you get burned out by the end um and more like a a climb and peak and emotional high and then kind of a reset and then another build for for the summer um so our workouts lately have been a lot of hills um 200s and 300s off of short rest so that would be like 200s in 29 to 30 seconds with 100 jog uh, in 30 seconds uh, or 300s in maybe 46 seconds with 100 jog um, again the jog being in 30 seconds so um, stuff like that and then um, we're also doing long tempos uh, we did a 10 mile progression slash tempo thing uh, on the roads uh, yesterday um, mile repeats on the grass, stuff like that. Um, just classic, like almost cross country training, uh, which, which does feed into our, uh, our feature of, uh, mm. of this episode quite well, but, um, mm, what a segue. Yeah, we'll ramp up and we'll, we'll ramp up and hit the track, you know, do a little more specific sessions, uh, as we, we approach camp a little closer. And then especially at camp, we'll, um, 
we'll have some pretty focused sessions where they're not as general um, conditioning type type works. So um, yeah, it's good. Nice little reset. Nice to be home. But um, I think the guys are starting to, to itch for a little more, um, especially as uh, as now it's April. So uh, yeah, fun things ahead. Yeah. Is there a race on the calendar next for you guys yet? Um, there is not officially, some of our 1500 guys will, will do a race soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't have an immediate race on the calendar. Um, especially with the year just being condensed because of this US 10k being moved up. Um, because we use altitude, you, you know, it cuts your, cuts your opportunities to race because once you get to altitude, you don't want to leave for like a month. Um, so yeah, kind of cuts things down. That's one thing Elise was sad about during our interview, kind of like wishing she had an opportunity to race more. I mean, obviously the training and, and the work that you guys are putting in is paying big dividends, but you know, as runners, I'm sure like wanting to race, racing is kind of the thing that you're, you're training all the, all that time for, but there will be big sure. and important races along the way that will culminate um, your track season. Just like uh, this race that we're going to recap today culminated the cross country season. A few years ago, we were talking about, and, you know, I guess, honestly, they probably know already by the title of the video and the podcast, but we're going to be talking about NCAA Nationals in 2018 held in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, what really boiled down to afterwards as kind of, I guess, maybe the first time that you and Morgan really butted heads over the course of what became like a lot of battles throughout um, your last year in the NCAA. Uh, this was this was a race with snow on the ground. Uh, it was electric to watch, and it was a really close battle all the way through. I don't know if before we kind of get into it and we talk about what we're going to be looking at, you want to kind of talk to the people at all about about what NCAA Nationals was like for you, or more broadly, this rivalry. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give a little context. Um, so my cross-country career at Stanford, um, I, was, uh, I, think I was 17th my freshman year, fifth as a sophomore, fifth as a junior. And so going into my senior year, I really wanted to win. Um, I, I really wanted a team title too at some point. We had been on the podium every year that I was there. Um, this year, real realistically, in 2018, we were probably going to be fighting to get on the podium um, more so than trying to be on top of the podium. Um, and uh, I had left the, the previous year's race um, with you know, a bit of disappointment in myself. I don't think I raced it very well in 2017 in, um, in Louisville. Um, so I wanted to get a little more out of myself. I thought, um, you know, this is my last opportunity to run NCAA cross, but also it might be my last cross country race ever. Um, at that point I had wanted to, to go pro after the year and professionals don't really race cross country too much. So I was like, man, this might be my last time on the grass. So I want to make the most of it. Um, try to get a win and uh, grab a low stick for my team. So um, that was a bit of the context in with, within the 2018 season. Um, I think in my mind, it became clear that uh, Morgan was going to become my greatest competitor at the, the championship. Um, he had been having a great year. I believe he was undefeated um, going into NCAAs and, uh, and he had run, I think 13, 15 on the track, which, Back in the day, back in my day, you know, sub thirteen twenty was was pretty wild. So I think only he and maybe Justin ran under thirteen twenty while I was in college. Because I don't think Ches ever dipped under. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't think he. Anyway, anyway, yeah, Mo Morgan was well established, um, great athlete, and we had kind of raced with each other um, in previous years. But this was, like you said, the first time we really. Uh, went straight at each other. So, uh, and it did set up a, a very exciting year of, of battles between he and I. Um, yeah. Any more to add? No, I think that's it. I think the only thing I would ask about really quickly is you talked about in 2017, not running well. That was my freshman year. I remember talking to you after the race and it, I, maybe I'm wrong about this, but you kind of maybe didn't feel the best early on in that race and made a decision to not go with, the couple of guys who ended up winning the thing when it split open relatively early on in the race. Um, and I, I remember chat, chatting with you about that and that decision as like, there was definitely a fear of blowing up, which can certainly happen in the cross country race. And then all of a sudden you go from scoring 
a low stick for the team to, to really not kind of providing the advantage that you usually would as a one stick. So is that kind of how you would recollect 2017? And then also with that approach in the 2018, obviously you're fitter. You're probably not going to have an off day like you maybe were experiencing in 2017, but there's got to be a little bit of fear with the added team component as well. that You got to still like deliver no matter what the situation is. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could get into the 2017 year in a, a whole episode, just, you know, taking apart that race, but to summarize, yeah, the, the race got going early. Um, the NAU boys really started pressing, uh, very early in the race and a pack of maybe like 40 guys started breaking away. And I was looking at that group and I was like, ah, the, you know, the people in that, they, they aren't going to keep that up. Um, I'll stay here. It's a little more conservative. You know, I don't want to risk too much. Um, I didn't feel great at that point. So I was like, yeah, they'll be back. Um, and they never came back. <laughs> so that was, uh, a, a lapse in judgment for sure. Um, you know, something, I mean, I, I feel like I do have regrets about that race. I don't think I raced it well. Um, I mean, can only blame myself for, for that decision-making, but, um, managed to pick my way up the field and, and do well, but it was not what I had been envisioning, um, exactly. And I just didn't like the feel feeling that I like let those guys go. Like I just, yeah, let them, let them go free. Sure, and yeah. by the time I realized, hey, they're not coming back, it was too late. Um, so I didn't even give myself a chance. Not not that I think I would have won that race, but uh, I didn't give myself a chance to race with the guys that I wanted to race. Um, so 2018, I didn't want to do that. All right. Any move that was made, I was planning on covering. For sure. And that, with without further ado, I guess we will start with, uh, I guess, looking at the first little clip that we've put together described or kind of showing you guys parts of this race uh, as told from Grant's perspective. So what we see here, what we can see here, man, is the massive start of a cross-country race. It's something like NCAAs. Tell me about the start. Where are we? Left side, right? Or- yeah, so uh, if you squint and make out the pixels, uh, I'm on the far right. Uh, the Stanford team started on the far right of your screen. Um, you know, a nice, uh, dusting of snow on the, on the course felt very Midwest, um, which I grew up in Michigan, mm. so I was embracing it. Um, you know, you kind of have that mad, mad dash at the beginning, you know, you go out much harder than what your actual pace for the race will be. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a chaotic environment. It's, it's, um, you know, something where you really have to calm yourself and get out nicely because, you know, there's over 200 people in the race, so you do want to get out hard, get your team in established position, um, and, and be ready for anything. I think it's fun watching all the fans, you know, sprint from one, one spot to another to see everybody. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, the race was at Wisconsin, uh, a great course. I, I really liked that course. It felt like true cross country. Um, none of that, you know, two K loops on a golf course, which was nice. Um, there's Morgan so right as rolling Hills. Yeah, so so Morgan gets out well. Um, again, it'll be hard to find me, uh, but I'm maybe like 15th or 20th in there, kind of bouncing around. Um, I'm in a, a red kit on top, black shorts on the bottom. Um, and uh, yeah, that was kind of the start. Um, I got in good position, I thought, um, and I could see the guys that I wanted to race at the end. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm content here. Um, and to, to map out the race plan, Essentially, it was um, be invisible would be what Mo- Coach Milt told me beforehand, which just means like, don't be at the front pressing. It was a little breezy. There's no need to lead or oftentimes in a cross country race, you're like three or four wide at the front. Um, it's like, you know, you don't need to be in that front row. Just be in the pack, um, conserve your energy, just kind of chill and, um, you know, let the race come to you. If any moves happen, cover it. Um but over that first half, you know, unless massive moves are being made, that's not when you're winning and losing the race. So um, just chill and wait for the first half. And uh, I got in good position and, and was happy with it. It's fun listening to you even talk about uh, race strategy, especially cross-country race strategy, because you, you you sound more relaxed. It's definitely, I remember whenever Mill would talk to us about about race strat and over a race like that long of a distance it was always about relaxing and being calm and composed and like all those types of buzzwords i feel like that do help you kind of relax when you think about them mentally in the race 
But I feel like the opposite of relaxation is what happens at the start of every cross-country race where you're going out in like 63, 64, if not faster for the first 400, which we talked about. We titled an episode this the other day, 64 point, which is currently what you have to run to run your 10K PR. But back in college on a cross-country course in the snow against, you know, and no one was that fit as you are now years later, starting out in 63, 64, sometimes 62 Maybe a couple guys go sub 60 or something crazy like that to start a 10K can really shock the system. Um, how do you handle that? And then, like, what are some thoughts? Because pretty much everyone in the field is, is starting out with that and immediately going into, like, you know, some sort of debt, some sort of, like, hurt locker, and then trying to recover and bounce out of it. How do you approach that? And how have you heard about, like, guys approaching that in general? Yeah, so that first little bit, you are kind of running on adrenaline a little bit. Um biggest meet of the cross-country season um you're there with uh with a bunch of your buddies you know your some of your best friends and you want to show out you want to do well um you want to get out get out well because the, the problem is it, you can see how many people are lined up across the the start line uh, apologies for people that uh, are listening to the audio only. but you can imagine yes, it in I, the audio version <laughs> you can imagine a line of athletes of yeah. 200 athletes um and it narrows down. Um, there's a turn, there's a right-hand turn, uh, maybe 800 meters in. So um, we were on the, if you're standing on the starting line facing the course, we were on the far left. Mm-hmm. So we needed to get up and around to the far right for this right-hand turn. So you got to get out hard. Um, there's no way around it. it. It's really hard to pick your way through a field if you get buried too deep. Um, you can do it for sure, but it's kind of unnecessary. A lot of wasted Um, energy doing that. Yeah. I feel like that first 400 meters is kind of free in a sense. Like you're free to go really hard. Like, I don't know if anyone's going sub 60, but if if you run a 64 versus a 68, I don't think you're actually conserving that much more energy. You might as well just, you know, get out well and get near the front. Um, because like I said, in the, in the prior year, the race got away from me. There was a breakaway and I didn't go with it. I didn't want to be caught in a situation where there was a breakaway and I couldn't go with it because I was stuck. Um, so yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to relax. Uh, you know, there's bodies around you. There's people screaming and yelling on the side. There's your coach that you can kind of hear their voice, like break through the, the masses. But, um, you know, you just have to center yourself, know that it's a long way to go. You know, you don't want to be fighting battles too early. Um, unnecessary battles, that is. So, uh, yeah, it's a game of conservation at the beginning. For sure. And, okay, so moving now into 3K, right, where we're looking at this clip, everyone is still pretty together. Um, this might be a bit of a departure for people watching, uh, like, the last couple years of, of NCA Cross, where... I mean, there's been some real front running that's blown stuff open. Connor Mance will feature in this race pretty heavily, still front running. But the difference is that there's definitely still a chunk of pack together. So take me through the 3K clip. Talk to me about like how aggressive of a pace was this first 3,000. And then is anything else um, you noticed? We can also play it back. I know you've got a good story from this part of the race as well. Yeah, so um, yeah, we're just about at 3K here. Um, yeah, the the course kind of winds around and, and you kind of settle into to a rhythm. Um, in this case, it wasn't too quick of a rhythm. Um, as you can see, yeah, there's lots of guys still in it and there's no breakaway. Um, but you can see uh, the NAU boys up there, the Colorado boys, you got Connor Mance up there. Um, tough to see me again. I'm kind of hiding. Uh, <laughs> but I'm maybe three three layers deep. Um, you and Morgan are both watching. hiding. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just watching. Um, so, uh, yeah, at this point, you know, you want to keep your eyes up. You don't want to fall asleep completely, but, um, it's still relaxation time. Um, especially because the pace wasn't incredibly hot yet. Um, I guess one, one interesting thing that people may not realize that, you know, you can see a lot of snow on the ground and it's clearly cold out if you look at the spectators, but when you're in the packet, it's actually pretty hot. Um, just from like all the body heat and like people breathing and stuff. Um, so it's really not that cold when you're in the pack and especially like your own body heat. So, um, yeah, it's actually not as cold as you might think. Um, so yeah, at, at this point in the race, um, here, here's the funny story. So, so 
Morgan pulls up next to me and we are about 10 minutes in. And I remember looking up the, the gator in front has a big clock on it. So you know how far into the race you are. So I remember seeing it was like 10 minutes in and Morgan comes up to me and he's breathing really hard. Uh, and I was like, I, I kind of did a double take over cause like you're trying, you're kind of sizing people up as the race goes to, um, and I'm like, man, this guy's breathing super hard. Like, did I, did I overestimate this guy? Uh, <laughs> I was like, man, I might have this like more so in the bag than I thought. Like Morgan sounds like he's fully anaerobic right now, like giving it everything he's got. <laughs> and, uh, if you know the outcome of the race, you'll know that that was a, a mistake in thought. But um, yeah, I, I remember looking over and being like, man, Morgan's hurting. <laughs> 10 minutes in, I was like, oh man, he's hurting bad. Like, that's a great sign for me. Because um, I was I was feeling pretty good at this point. Um, so uh, as you'll see later, I, I would say, you know, don't, uh, don't count your chickens before they hatch or like, don't... Uh, don't think anything's a sure thing. Um, yeah, people can surprise <laughs> you. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> looking uh, looking back, that was a, a mistake. Um, but yeah, no, I mean you've you've raced him a bunch since then as well. Is that something that you only experienced in this cross country race, or is he just one of those guys who might sound like he's breathing heavier and working harder than he actually is? Um, I don't think so. Like I. I don't think he, he is that type of guy that, yeah, there are some people that are just always breathing hard, but really like they're how hard they're working. Isn't always like what you would expect. Um, I don't know what it was. Maybe I was just like trying to convince myself that, <laughs> that, that he was in the hurt locker locker early. Um, I don't know what it was, uh, but I remember like really latching onto that and just being like, man, um, yeah, th- this dude might be toast. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, uh, we kept that pace, um, pretty much straight through to the midway point. Um, there weren't any massive moves. Nobody really tried anything crazy. Um, I think Connor was at the front a bit. Um, I think like Tyler Day and Matt Baxter were at the front a bit. I think Joe Klecker might've pushed a little bit too, but it was never enough to shake anybody. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, we kept that pace up to, to about halfway or so. So the only other question before we look at the 5K clip, when you talk about relaxation, right? Oh, it's really just like relaxation mode at this point. Maybe that's not what that word means to most people in most situations still, right? We're talking about just staying like well underneath that red line, like that maximum, like remaining composed. But talk to me about, are you experiencing nothing or are you, you know, like you're working pretty hard still at the same time, like that 3K mark, of a 10k you're probably not you know wrecked or something like that so kind of take me through that unique feeling of you're not thinking 7k to go but you're 30 percent through the race and and maybe you're not dead but you're certainly still already starting to work hard yeah yeah um it's kind of an interesting balance you have to strike where mentally you have to be aware but not like too hyper focused on anything um you don't want to be like completely asleep because you might miss moves like you might fade back in the pack you might lose your position really badly um the positioning thing is less important in cross country because it's you know it's not like track where um you know you're more single file often um but you know you you need to have eyes on the guys that are going to be dangerous and i thought i had um a good a good uh handle on that at that point in the race um, all the guys that I thought would be vying for the win with, uh, over the last K were next to me or in front of me or maybe slightly behind me, but I was right there with them. Um, and so you want to be like watching these guys and in the lead up, you want to know their strength and weaknesses, um, and how they might, uh, develop their own race plan around those things, um, and be ready for, you know, something that they do that you'll need to respond to. Uh, but you know, if you're constantly like, if I were constantly looking over and trying to evaluate Morgan, then, you know, you just mentally wear yourself out. Um, you do have to run your own race to some extent. Um, so mentally it's like that physically it's like, um, 
you know, there's no need to be bumping into people and, and, you know, wasting energy in that regard. There's no need to be clipping people. Um, you know, maybe if, if you go up a hill, there's no need to really slam it up the hill. Um, because usually you can make up a decent amount of ground on the downhill, just like letting your legs run a little bit. So, um, you know, nothing too unnecessary. It's a long way to go. It's a long race. And, and usually the racing doesn't start till late. Um, and, so you want to relax so that when you get to the racing point, you're not fried. Uh, but you also want to be aware so that if anything weird happens before someone presses or there's a fall, whatever, you're you're ready enough for that. Um, yeah. Nice, yeah, prepared. So with, then we'll take prepared. it. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. For yeah. It. You, you want you want you want to be sitting there prepared. Um, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Taking it to the halfway point now of the race we're at 5k here and already you can tell there's less people in this pack than there were but there still is a big pack yeah so um at this point people had been making like yeah these little presses and uh things are more strung out now as you can see like the whole field is kind of three four wide whereas at one point there were probably 10 people wide um and so th- uh, this clip uh is interesting it's cool like looking back at this one because you can see so many athletes that have turned out to be uh really good pros or really good collegiates in it um you know you've got tyler day up there you've got baxter you've got joe klecker um if you look uh if you look for some green you can see yard nagus uh you can see cooper tier run by you can see um louis Grijalva. i'm trying to think of some more guys in this race so I see Waleed right now. Yeah, you, you can see Alex Osberg in there. I think Alec Parsons right at the back of that pack, too. Yep. Um, some of those Furman boys. Uh, I think you got Jordy Beamish in there. I'm trying to think. I don't, I don't want to be disrespectful and miss someone that, that has become a very good runner. Ollie Hoare. Um, yeah. Forsyth, uh, Isai Rodriguez. Anyway, tons and tons of, of really good runners. Um, maybe in their younger days, but um, excellent runners for sure. Um, so this was a high quality meet. I mean, it's cool to kind of see some of the 1500 miler guys step up and do a 10 K. Um, and then it's also nice to see some of the strength guys, uh, battle it out with them. So, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, NCAA cross is a sight to see. It's, it's really fun. Um, we're only showing a few clips here and I think they're a little choppy on my end. I don't know how they are on yours, but on mine they're um, good, which is good because that's the visual that people will see. <laughs> All right, sweet. Because uh, it's been freezing on my end, so oh. I got a little nervous. But no, I think you're, um, I think we're handling it. Yeah, I would encourage people to go back and watch this race. Um, I, I really hadn't watched it much since I was in college. Um, not that I go back and watch my old races <laughs> frequently at all, but I, I had no idea that I I didn't know that Mo. Mohamed commentated this race so it's funny to hear him like before I, I met him at all uh you know he's obviously pulling for Morgan huge Morgan Homer. um <laughs> yeah you know he wants the Badgers to get the win but it's funny to to hear him call me by my full name <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> yeah just, no, you, I, you know we have like nicknames and stuff now that I know him and it's a bit more casual of a relationship but um yeah it, it's kind of cool to hear his commentary um but yeah, this is kind of when the race starts to, to begin moving, um, the halfway point. I paused to hear, I wanted to talk to you about the footing, because I feel like that was the big thing about Nationals this year, besides the super close finish, because it wasn't snowing, but there's snow on the ground at most points. So talking about running through that, was there anything notable about it? Does it just end up feeling like a little bit like muddy? Were you used to it running in Michigan growing up? Yeah, it wasn't that bad. Um it honestly looks a little more grueling than it, than it was. Um, like this, the dusting, it was a dusting of snow. It wasn't snowy. Um, and then the footing was just standard cross country stuff. Like, you know, sometimes you take a weird step and you're, you kind of drop down or whatever. Sometimes when you're in a pack, there's a little dip and like, it kind of makes your like stomach drop a little. Uh, if, if you've been in a pack, you might know that feeling. Um, I wouldn't say it was anything out of the ordinary. Um, especially like knowing Midwest courses and stuff. Um, it was, uh, I'd say pretty standard, nothing, nothing to write home about, but it did look cool. It <laughs> did look, it sick. look pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. But that was when people started pressing about the halfway point. Um, 
it, it can be, uh, you know, your first year in college, especially as a high school uh, senior going to collegiate freshman, um, it can be daunting looking up at the clock at 5K because um, sometimes you, you run your 5K PR um, or your old 5K PR in the first half of the race and you're like, oh man, this is going to be a long one. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a long, long way to the finish. So, um, But yeah, uh, at that point, things are starting to thin. Yeah, anything else before we get to 8K because that is obviously a gap. The pack's going to shrink a little bit more or do you want to just run the clip and we can talk about it? No, let's just run it. All right, so at the 8K mark now, it's still about the same crew of you, honestly. There's that little inside part that isn't snowy, and then we got the rest of it. Morgan's in the lead with <laughs> Mance. Talk to me about this point. Yeah, so um, this is when I, I started to get a lot more alert. Um, you know, Morgan going to the front, that's a, a dangerous guy. So um, you want to have your head up, your eyes up. And um, I was trying to still have eyes on, on everybody. Um, and this is a big I think at this hill, point, right? I was re- uh, yeah, not to interrupt I think at this you, point, this is the big hill. Sorry. Yeah, that is the hill. The hill is kind of on that backside loop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm realizing now that my uh, my 10 minute in analysis of Morgan's uh, fitness was probably faulty because um, he's at the front um, starting to press a little bit. Uh, again, he wasn't doing enough to really shatter the pack, um, which he had the fitness to do. Um, but it seemed like he was just kind of dragging the thing along, just making sure it stayed honest. Um, and, uh, yeah, we have a very distinct pack of maybe 12 guys there. Um, so the, the contenders are starting to, to filter, um, filter up and, um, yeah, but, but nobody had made a massive move yet. I was kind of waiting for someone to make that move. Um, so I could cover it. I knew I didn't want to make the move. That wasn't one of my strengths at the time, um, to really drive from a ways out. But, um, one of my one of my like race goals was to just like, if someone went, then I go to, um, and, and again, I haven't touched the front at this point. I'm, I'm still, I'm still waiting. I'm still trying to conserve and, uh, run the work, the race plan that I had. Um, and, uh, yeah, those guys are kind of dictating it from the front. Um, and I think everyone's eyes were up because Morgan was at the front, uh, and, and because it's AKN, um, uh, you know, you gotta be wary of attacks at that point. For sure. Yeah, talk to me about, I'm going to freeze it here when it cuts to this wider camera angle and you can see how much like the 13, 12 of you guys had really isolated at this point. I might be able to speak more about this feeling, but when you drop off of whatever pack you're running with and kind of fall into that no man's land, it is the hardest thing in the world. And it's also where such substantial margins are made where you can you can realistically say like, oh, I was I was with someone at 8K and I finished like 40 seconds behind them or I finished a minute behind them or 30 seconds or whatever the deal is because so often it's like once that cord is cut between the pack and and you or some of these guys at the back here it's just there's there's nothing holding you up once that once that divide has happened or once you kind of snap on that fitness line i know you've been there too occasionally probably not as frequently and not so much recently but it seems like you're pretty maybe not relaxed you're definitely working but you're still upright and kind of positive with your energy at this point at 8k but you've probably been in similar packs where you've felt at the end of your rope. Have you, what do you think about in that moment to, to not fall back, you know, knowing kind of how dangerous that falling back can be for your, for your race goals. You're pretty much almost always going to really be hitting a wall when that happens, trying to avoid it. Yeah. I mean, you have to stay attached. Um, as long simple. as you can. It's, it, it's, it's simple, but incredibly hard to do at the time. Um, you know, I, I think, the, the, we talked about this in depth at one point, but the fewer decisions you can make during a race, the better. Um, because each of those decisions take mental energy, but also, um, you know, you don't want to be making decisions when you're tired um, or fatigued. That's when you make bad decisions um, <laughs> with, with most things in life, like when you're tired and fatigued or frustrated or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I've been in that place where, you know, the, the, the the pack just starts slowly inching away from you and you're just like giving it everything you have to stay attached. Cause you know, that's what's best, but sometimes you just can't. And man, that is a sinking feeling. Uh, it, it's, it's so terrible cause you know, your legs feel dead. Um, oftentimes you tense up, which makes it worse. Um, and you just kind of sink like a stone and it feels like there's nothing you can do about it. And you have that negative momentum 
oh man, not a fun place to be. Mm. Um, I, I've been there in races. I've been there in workouts. Um, been there on easy runs, man. And it, it <laughs> doesn't feel good. Um, and, uh, you know, it is a skill to, to stay composed as you're getting dropped. Um, because like, as much as you can say, like, don't get dropped, like, there's only so much you can do sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. like you can't race like so, so far above your fitness level that you can just tell yourself to like, stay attached. Um, unfortunately. So yeah, when those things happen, it is a skill to, to kind of learn how to, how to get dropped. If that makes sense. I mean, it's not something you want to practice no. <laughs> or be in a situation where you're practicing it. Um, but you know, not completely falling apart when, when things are not going well is a, is a skill. Um, thankfully in this race, I didn't have to do that or work on that. Um, <laughs> for sure. W- was still attached. So, um, yeah, we just, uh, built up from 8k and yeah, like I said, from 8k to the finish, I was just waiting for someone to go. Um, maybe I was a little too antsy, um, <clears throat> or like maybe a, a little too focused on everybody, but, um, as you'll see in a moment, the move never came. Um, nobody went like with a mile to go or like 2K to go. Which you often see in cross. There's, there's usually Which somebody who's like, I can't rare. win a 400 yeah. to go and I'm going to go from longer yeah. out. So it seems like you were, here, let me put the thing in and pause it. It feels like you were anticipating that based on your race strategy. There was never really a thought from your end that, hey, maybe I need to be the one to, to set this just because the guy's in the field or talk to me about that. Yeah. So I, that just wasn't my strength. Um, attacking from a ways out wasn't my strength. I, my, my strength was sit and kick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I feel like I'm, I was a very good rhythm runner, um, when I was in college. Um, so I guess I would explain that as like, I could run a pace and make it feel as easy as I possibly could. Um, and I was good at like shutting my brain down and and, you know, really kind of falling into the pace and, and, you know, conserving energy like that. But as far as attacking went, um, as far as like back and forth fart licking race type stuff went, I wasn't as good. Um, I just didn't have that same background in training. I wasn't as strong. I don't think I was doing quite enough mileage to, to be good at that stuff. But um, honestly, the way the race was unfolding, you know, sit and kick style. I was, I was optimistic. I, I thought that raised my chances, actually. Um, I was happy that the race was going that well because I uh, thought I had a good kick and could, uh, could kick with these guys. Um, so I was, I was content with the unfolding, um, even though it wasn't what I expected. I expected a hard push um, from like NAU or Morgan or um, some of the Colorado guys or something. But uh, those never came. And actually, I was... I was happy with that, uh, with that outcome. Well, let's, let's watch the end. You, t- you take us through it. We're at 2735. Yeah, I yeah. assume you guys are running for maybe a little over 29 minutes. I actually forget the official time thing, but, uh, there's, there's one gap in the, in the thing where they flash the second path for like 20 seconds, but I'll let you kind of talk to me about kind of the close of this race. There's still 10 guys in the picture at 2730, which is very rare. I feel like we haven't seen that since in a, uh, in a cross race or cross nationals. And, and we don't see it that often even previously. So I'll roll it. Yeah. 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 Certainly rare to have that many guys around with a minute, minute and a half to go. Um, so the curls, the course kind of dips down and then it curls to the right. And then the last, like maybe 400 meters are slightly uphill all the way to the finish line. Um, so you can see we're pressing a bit cause some of the guys are starting to, to fall off a little bit. Um, I, I'm still sitting in the second row, um, with eyes up, maybe third row, just watching these guys waiting for a move. Um, at this point I realized it's going to be a sit and kick, basically run a 400 as hard as you can, uh, up this incline at the end. This is the start um, of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I wanted to be in a good spot, um, and, and be ready. Cause this was just kind of like, Hey, throw all strategy out the door. You're giving it everything you have for 400 meters. Um, like you said, there's more guys there than there usually are at the end of a 10 K cross country race. Um, I think that's just a testament to how the race panned out, but, um, yeah, so we turn the corner and this is, this is the final straight. If you're watching on YouTube, 
um, Morgan gets a great jump because he uh, was at the front of the pack and I'm kind of right behind him. And uh, essentially my strategy was sit behind Morgan and then maybe with like 100, 100 meters right there, to go, you move up. Swing, swing wide. And so for a split second, I was like, this is it. Like, I, I think I can whip around the outside. Um, and then Morgan hit another gear and man, your boy took the L. <laughs> and then, and then Morgan, Morgan threw up the Wisconsin W as he crossed the line. And I was like, man, like I was so mad. Uh, I was like, oh, like, I, I don't know. It's hard to describe the, the feeling because um, I was so close. I was like three meters away. Um, and like things go flashing through your head like, man, what what mistakes did I make? Like, how Mad Grant, I-, I froze it. For anyone on YouTube, that was the exact same face you just made on the on the screen. On the yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, oh, I can see that. Yeah. <sighs> um, you just like think back on everything. Like, man, did I give? Did I do everything I could have? Um, I thought I ran it well. Uh, I think Morgan was a better runner than me that day, um, but I was still pissed. <laughs> um, and that that kicked off like a bunch of really nice races that Morgan and I had, uh, that, that year, um, my senior year, his fifth year, both of our final years in college. Um, you know, I, yeah, that's the point. I I mean, I, I wanted to win (laughs) that. That's the point where I I felt like maybe it's a weird camera angle, but were you, were you kind of swing right, swing wide right here Mm. where I'm everyone at home. We're all thinking that like, you're going to pull up there and yeah, he definitely hits the gas on the second gear. I, I wonder, I mean, we can talk more cumulatively about your guys' rivalry and, and what that, what the rest of that year looked like. But in that race, you being in the third row, kind of waiting for that move, getting to, you know, within 400 to go and still being there. I hear what you're saying about him maybe being a better runner than you on that day. He was pushing that pace. He was leading. He was the aggressor. He was kind of holding the race by the neck. Um, do you... Do you rethink that? I mean, obviously you rethink it, right? But, like, would you have done anything differently like, could there have been a situation where you ended up on the front of that before? Because he gets this jump on you, which ends up being the final margin. And maybe he had more or could have gone. And he clearly goes again with about 100 to go as you pull up on his shoulder anyway. But how did you feel like your positioning, which, you know, had kept you tucked in the entire race, kind of played out over that final 300? Was there any, could you have still done it if you just had the kick or the fitness or whatever? Or did it put you in a really tough spot? Um. You know, yeah, I, I thought about this race a lot, like afterwards, um, during my senior year. And I was like, I, I don't really know if like being in slightly better position could have, uh, could have won me that race. Um, I use my final gear, like when I swing outside right there. Um, and Morgan had another one that I didn't have. Um, I think even if we came into that final straightaway, like side by side, I think he still probably gets me. He was just a better kicker, a bit stronger. And, um, you know, he had my number that day and uh, for most of my senior year, I think I only beat him. I think we matched up like maybe like three or four more times. I'm trying to think. My beat him at Millrose. And I think that might've been it. And I, I think I only beat him once. <laughs> um, so he definitely had my number and yeah, man, dude had some real estate in my head. I was like thinking like, man, how do I beat this guy? Cause I was trying all different things. Like, um, you know, push from 400 out, push from 200 out, try to get pole position, um, you know, try to drag it out early, all these different things. And, you know, he would almost always end up on top. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a healthy rivalry. I wouldn't say like, I hate Morgan by any degree. I think, I think it'd be easier if like, I, I really didn't like Morgan. Cause then I could be like, man, I hate that guy and I want to beat him, but it's harder when like, you know, he's a good guy. <laughs> uh, like, obviously we're all competitive and want to win on the track, but it's harder when you talk after and like, they're like a gracious winner. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I wouldn't say there's any bad blood between me and Morgan or that there's ever been. Um, but I definitely wanted to beat him and I think he wanted to beat me pretty bad too. Um, but we had some, some good battles that, uh, made that year very exciting. Um, yeah. But this was uh, the start of uh, my L's to Morgan uh, of my senior year. Um, but, yeah, they, they were good, man. Um, I look back and, like, 
it's it's nice to look back and and see those battles now and like think about how both Morgan and I have grown um, since then and the whole field like it's cool to see like um, like a young Cooper Tier in there who's who's now running great like a, a young Yard Nagoose who's now running great um, Joe Klecker um, was at the front of that that pack for a while running great now Ollie Hoare also in that pack you know running great now so um, you know you get it's cool to look back and then see the progression. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's also just, it's also just an electric race to watch and rewatch, even if you're kind of ended up on the wrong side of that result, just cause you know, that cross country <laughs> stuff normally doesn't come down to a final straight where four or five dudes can still win it. Um, I mean, and it, it is, it is a really gotta be an awesome experience to win. It's KXC on your home course. I know Wisco had been building to that year for a couple years. I think if I remember correctly, he redshirted the previous fall, be, like to have that year to, to come back and, and rip at home and, and win NCAAs. And it worked out for him in that case and, and kind of throughout the rest of that year for sure. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of just a couple things to wrap up on. Our team was fifth. Uh, NAU won. The rest of that top eight looked like Kurgot from Iowa State in third. Isai Rodriguez in fourth. Aaron Templeton and Furman coming in fifth. Tyler Day. And then uh, Kemboy of Campbell in seventh and Joe Klecker in eighth. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was quite a wild pack and it was definitely a race that we felt like we had to recap. Um, just <laughs> definitely the start of what was an awesome year of kind of head to head and more broadly, both you and Morgan on the world stage now doing really well. And it's, uh, it's a really cool dynamic to see kind of play out. Yeah. Yeah, man, that was a, that was a fun year. I mean, certainly frustrating at times. Um, like you, you don't like when you envision like, or I guess that year when I was envisioning how my senior year went, it was like I wanted to win a title, um, and uh, you know Morgan won those those titles pretty much all through the year, like um, cross country, indoor, and outdoor. So um, the the NCAA titles eluded me that year, but I do think I I learned a lot in like understanding your strengths, learning how to race somebody, um, that was just as good or better than you. Um, you know, you can't win every race. And, um, I think it's good that, that we broke down a race where I did not win. Uh, I think it'd be kind of, kind of annoying if I was like the guy that just breaks down races where I win. Yeah. Um, that'd be pretty short sighted, but, um, you can learn just as much or more from more. races where, yeah, yeah you, you don't take home the W or accomplish all of your goals or, um, you know, have the perfect race than, uh, than the other side where you walk away high five and everybody, you don't really analyze too much. Um, but, um, yeah, man, um, that was a, a fun rivalry we had, um, back and forth. It was fun. Well, I'd say, I'd say if I'm looking at it comprehensively, this race for you and then kind of your development since then and. I feel like the biggest takeaway is that you need a bunch of different tools in your toolbox if you want to win big races, you know, and you talked about it multiple times. I asked you the questions about positioning, about ever thinking about touching the front or doing something with the race before 400 or so to go. And it's you not being that type of runner. Um, I look at, I mean, obviously running like American records or whatever, it's, it's, there's no doubt about like, oh, this dude's got tools. This dude's got the ability to, to win races and also run really fast, but something that you've really gotten, you know, like a special ability at currently, it seems like at least is once the pacers step off the track, squeezing a pace down from a K out from two K out from, from three K out from whatever it needs to be. And like really closing hard negative splitting from a long ways out. Um, we've really maybe mostly seen it in kind of time trial situations, even if you were racing Mo at the 10, but I do feel like that's something that you've got to look at now. I mean, it's been a few years, four years later, I guess three and a half years later, that that's an ability that it seems like you now possess and has got to be more beneficial going into a race because you're not just sitting there. It feels a little bit like, hey, in order to, like your approach to 2018 might have been, hey, like I might be able to win this race in different ways, but really in order to win this race, it's got to be, you know, not absolutely insane, fart licking back and forth the whole time. And I've got to be in a good position. And if it's a tight race at the end and it's a little bit slower, like I can, I can take this versus now I feel like obviously, you know, 2022 grant wouldn't be walking into a college cross country race, but if you were, 
you have all the tools you have you have this range where you can you can win races in different ways and different styles and i feel like when someone can start to reach that level that's that's really the the mark of, of a guy who's who's kind of on a really high level in the sport so i don't know if your takeaway also from that was like hey i've got a I've got to get good in like a broad sense and like I've got to be able to handle things in, in different dimensions or if you didn't think about it, but just training with Jerry for a few years and, and finishing up your college career kind of got you there. But I'd really be interested in if you think that that's kind of like, you know, when you only got one way to win a race, it's objectively a lot harder to win the race versus if you've got three, four different ways that you can kind of style it. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of what I was getting at was when, at one point when I said like looking back, it's cool to see how both Morgan and I have grown since then. I, I mean, like you said, my, and I said a few times, my strength was the sit and kick and I wasn't as good at the other style of races, nor was I confident as confident in those style of races. So, um, yeah, one of my biggest takeaways with all those races with Morgan were just that I need to get better. Um, like I, I need to like train harder, um, in a way that I'll be prepared for these different styles of races and be prepared to race, uh, a better athlete than me. Um, like I, I, we, we kind of started toggling things my senior, senior year a little bit, just like, um, practicing, squeezing a race from a mile out, uh, which was something I hadn't done in the past. And I think I got better at it and stuff, but it wasn't enough time to really have enough confidence and ability to, to really dictate a race like that, especially when you have, um, you know, Morgan who had a, a pretty, pretty large toolkit. Um, I, I felt like he could, he was a bit more complete of a runner than I was at, at that point. Um, and so, yeah, I've worked on those strength, uh, those weaknesses a bit and, um, yeah, I feel quite a bit more confident in different style of races, like you said. Um, yeah. So there's always room for growth. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, uh, that was, that was a big, big moment of growth for me. Um, my, my junior year was uh, a little bit of a down year, just like performance wise, mentally, physically, um, you know, I kind of had to refine the sport a little bit. So my senior year, I was like guns a blazing, you know, let's, let's do this. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I came up short more than I came out on top, um, for sure, but yeah, good, good learning experiences. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm still friendly with Morgan. Um, I know he's got, uh, the coffee club pod, which has slightly more clout than us. I'm not going to lie. They have, they have more clout. You got to get up there. <laughs> they have way more clout than us, dude. They post um, consistently too, which is something that we, I think have got to get on if we want that. I think he's got a vlog. I mean, he's, 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 he's definitely got the influencer tag right now in a, in a positive way for him. Yeah, I mean they're they're uh, they're crushing the pod game right now, so we've got some 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 steps to take to maybe match that. But um, yeah, man, um, good good memes for sure, for sure. Yeah, and um, and hopefully you guys enjoyed this kind of attempt at a slightly new alteration to a format we've definitely revisited a lot in season one. Hopefully the podcast still makes sense. I feel like we did a good job explaining it, but definitely feel free to check out the YouTube with with the additional clips or like Grant said the full race video, which is also online. Um, yeah. And let us know, let us know kind of how you feel, what you think about this version of, of race recaps. We'd, we'd love the, love the feedback, really appreciate it. And then also future race recaps. Cause if this is a tool that you guys also enjoy us using and kind of bringing in more of the video component on YouTube, I feel like it definitely expands our ability to do these and to do these really well. So yeah, we're definitely taking suggestions. You can comment below. You can also email us at halfsteppod or Instagram DM. There's like a billion ways to reach us at this point. I'm sure that we can figure out something. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I might be forgetting like a couple of things. It feels like, but uh, at the same time, I, I I think that this was a good summation of, of that race. What was a definitely a, a growth experience for you, but also it's still like a, a really solid effort. I mean, runner up at NCAs. I know didn't feel good, but at the same time, it's not something you can be like overwhelmingly pissed about at the same time. It's tough. It's, it's a tough balance. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it feels like the end of the world at the time, but yeah, yeah I mean, like you said, it's, um, you know, second in the NCAA is nothing to, to be too upset about. No, but you're right. Looking it's back, nothing. It's nothing to like sit there and actually be like on the plane back. Like, yeah. Like 
top two. It, it's that's that's never how it actually ends up being. Is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, it, it seems like less of a big deal looking back now, but at the time, man, I was pissed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, all all runners, professional runners, are probably unhealthily competitive sometimes. Um, so that one, that one stung. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it did kick off, uh, a lot of growth. So some, some good comes out of the L's sometimes, you know, it's got to, otherwise you're just taking yeah. L's for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. True. would <laughs> <laughs> be no good. If you're not growing from that, then, then what are you getting? <laughs> you're just taking L's. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything else or, or, or are we kind of wrapping this one up? No, man, I think we're good. I mean, we, we pumped that for an hour. Um, yeah, for sure. Hopefully we didn't ramble too much. I feel like I rambled for a little bit there, but hopefully it was uh, easy to follow. Um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, if you watch the YouTube vi- version, you get more visual cues. Um, yeah, I was trying not to like just be like, okay, here I'm grinding, and now yeah. I'm like I'm looking up and I'm trying hard, you know? Because yeah, if people are just listening to the audio, that that you know doesn't do much. So yeah, hopefully it's yeah, hopefully it was all right. Feel, feel free to feel free to download the podcast. Um, also, watch and like the YouTube video and comment and interact with us in as many ways as possible, so we can one day catch the clout that Coffee Club Pod currently has. Um, we will be back soon. I believe there will be a guest interview as the next thing to drop um, for the Half Step Pod, which should be pretty exciting. And then we should be back towards the end of next week as well. Um, go Heels tonight in the Final Four game, and uh, I know you'll be cheering as well with Thomas. Thank you guys all for listening to another episode of the Half Step Pod. We will catch you guys next time. Cheers, guys. Yeah, thank you, guys.